Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, December 10th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. I'm dreaming of a red Christmas. Oh, wait, that's not right. I mean, I don't think anybody's actually dreaming of a red Christmas, but that's what a lot of people are going to get. And by red, I mean in the red, as in deeper in debt. In fact, I think debt is a big elephant in the room that nobody is really talking about, especially in the context of this Federal Reserve monetary tightening that is supposedly right around the corner. I mentioned consumer debt at the end of last week's show, and I want to delve into some of that data more deeply today because I think it's really important, and I think it's uh, an integral part of this economic equation that, again, isn't really being talked a lot about in the mainstream. But first, here's a question for you. What is a red-blooded American consumer to do when he runs out of stimulus money? Well, he just buys stuff the old-fashioned way. He puts it on plastic. That's exactly what has happened over the last year or so. This entire so-called economic recovery was built on stimulus and debt. Now, the stimulus is done, ostensibly. So, what happens when we hit the limit on those credit cards? And what happens if the Fed really does start jacking up interest rates? So, this week, the Federal Reserve released the consumer credit data for October. There's a two-month lag in that data series. It should come as no shock that Americans piled on more debt as inflation continues to squeeze their pocketbooks. Consumer debt grew by $16.9 billion in October alone. That's an annual increase of 4.6%. That raised total consumer debt to over $4.38 trillion. That's trillion with a T. So the Federal Reserve consumer debt figures, this includes credit card debt, student loans, auto loans, things like that, but it does not factor in mortgage debt. If you add mortgages to the equation, Americans are buried under more than $15 trillion in debt. In fact, household debt eclipsed $15 trillion for the first time ever in the third quarter of this year. Now, as I've already mentioned, with stimulus money long gone, Americans have pulled out their plastic. Revolving credit, which is mostly credit card debt, increased by $6.5 billion in October. That was a 7.8% year-on-year increase. U.S. consumers racked up $23.6 billion in credit card debt in the third quarter alone. According to WalletHub, that's 46% above the post-Great Recession Q3 average. Americans now owe nearly $1.02 trillion, again, trillion with a T, in credit card debt. More people are trying to get credit cards as well. According to the New York Federal Reserve, 27% of Americans have applied for new credit cards over the last year. So that's more than a quarter of all Americans. And as I mentioned at the end of last week's show, it appears consumers are prepared to go even deeper into the red this holiday season. Almost half of American shoppers, 45%, uh, said they plan to use buy now, pay later services to spread out their holiday expenses. Now, using credit cards, that's fine and dandy if you can pay them off. But therein lies the rub, right? It's not always easy to pay them off, especially if all of your other expenses are going up as well. 
You also have to remember that we're in a pretty favorable interest rate environment right now. If the Fed really does start pushing rates up, credit card rates will follow and you know, then suddenly those minimum balances won't be so minimum. In fact, there are already some signs that the credit card companies are worried about uh, Americans' ability to pay off their debt. The average credit limit for new plastic this year is about $4,000, according to an industry analyst. That's down 21% from two years ago, pre-pandemic. Of course, credit cards make up just one slice of consumer debt. We also have non-revolving credit. That includes auto loans and student loans. Non-revolving debt increased by $10.3 billion in October. That was a 3.7% increase year-on-year. Even as credit card debt dropped during the pandemic, non-revolving credit has continued to expand through the last year and into 2021. Outstanding non-revolving debt now stands at $3.36 trillion. Now, the mainstream financial media doesn't really pay a lot of attention to the consumer debt data. And if you do see reporting on this growing debt pile, well, it's usually spun as good news. According to the narrative, Americans believe that the economy is strong and they feel confident enough to borrow money and buy lots of stuff. And since buying stuff is the backbone of the U.S. economy, this is good. Of course, these pundits point to strong retail sales in recent months as even more evidence of consumer confidence. Now, we've talked about retail sales and the fact that they also reflect rising inflation, so that's not necessarily uh, consumer confidence. But, you know, the narrative is plausible. I mean, heck, they might even be right, but they're probably not. There's another way to look at this, one that seems far more likely to me. Higher prices and an absence of stimulus checks forced Americans to borrow more to buy stuff they can't afford. If you look at the data over time, it would appear to bear this out. Throughout the pandemic, Americans, by and large, kept their credit cards in their wallets and they paid down their balances. I think a lot of people used their stimmy checks to pay off their credit cards. And this is really typical consumer behavior during an economic downturn. Credit card balances were well over $1 trillion when the pandemic began, but they fell below that level in 2020. Now, we saw some small upticks in credit card balances in February and March of this year as the recovery began. And also, we didn't have stimulus those first couple of months. And then we had a sharp drop in credit card debt in April as stimulus checks rolled out once again. But as the stimmy money ran out, Americans started borrowing in earnest again in May. And we've seen large increases in consumer debt every single month since then. Now, the fact that Americans are still spending will make retailers happy, and it provides fodder for the Joe Biden apologists who claim that the economy is booming. But the problem with spending on plastic is that credit cards have these inconvenient things called limits. And I shouldn't have to say this, but this is not a sustainable economic model. Now, Granted, my own experience is purely anecdotal, but I don't really think I'm that different from most people. I've rarely used credit cards when I could afford to buy stuff. Now, I know some people do. My mom put everything on her Disney credit card to get those Disney points, but she always paid her balance. I've always used credit cards when I'm broke or if something happens that I can't financially handle, you know, like my car breaks down or the refrigerator goes out. My credit cards have always been kind of my last resort. 
And my thought process has never been, oh, I'm really confident in the economy and I know I'm going to be able to pay this back. Uh, My thought process has been more like, oh, dear God, I hope I can make the minimum payments on this long enough to pay it back. And and, and quite frankly, at points in my life, I think I've uh, just hoped that I could make the minimum payments forever. And, you know, I'll be honest, when I was in my 20s, I got myself in a lot of trouble with credit cards because I wasn't making sufficient income and I was using my credit cards to basically, uh, you know, sustain my life. And I think that happens to people when the economy turns sour, when inflation goes up, you can't afford stuff. What do you do? You can't just not stop buying. So you pull out the credit card. I think a lot of people are like this, and that's why so many people get in over their heads with credit card debt. So, yes, increasing levels of debt could signal consumer optimism, but it could just as easily signal that Americans are struggling to make ends meet, and they're turning to their credit cards to pay their bills. Now, you can decide which story you think is more plausible. Regardless, consumer debt is growing. And I think this is a bigger problem for the Fed than anybody wants to admit. Here's the ugly truth. The Federal Reserve and the U.S. government built a post-pandemic economic recovery, I'm using air quotes, on stimulus and debt. It is predicated on consumers spending stimulus money borrowed and handed out by the federal government or running up their own credit cards. Were it not for the Fed's easy money policies and government stimmy checks, consumers couldn't drive this borrow and spend economy. Borrowing is incentivized by loose monetary policy from the Fed. And of course, it's not just consumer borrowing that we're talking about here. That's probably really the least of the problem. You also have the massive government debt, which of course is about to get even more massive now that the Republicans have once again surrendered and are going to let the Dems raise the debt ceiling. Then you add onto that the massive levels of corporate debt. And the only reason you and Uncle Sam and these businesses can borrow all of this money is because the Fed is supplying it. The Fed is making all of this money available. It's holding interest rates artificially low so that everybody can pay the interest on all of this money that they're borrowing. And yet I'm supposed to believe that the Fed is about to raise interest rates to fight inflation? This economy is addicted to stimulus and debt. An overdose, of course, will lead to a dollar crisis and runaway inflation. But cutting the addict off will lead to withdrawals and an economic collapse. So basically, it's pick your poison here, right? I've talked about this in several shows. The Fed is backed into a corner. It can fight inflation and collapse the economy or can let inflation run and collapse the dollar. So I just don't see how people are so convinced that, yeah, the Fed is going to successfully fight this inflation dragon. As Peter Schiff put it in his podcast, the Fed is picking a fight it cannot win. I'll link to that show in the show notes page. It's definitely worth taking a listen to. Now, speaking of inflation, we're supposed to get the November CPI data this morning at 8.30. As I'm recording right now, it's about... eh, It's about 10 minutes after 8, so I'm going to hold off wrapping up the show until that CPI data comes out, and we'll do the live CPI data break, um, breaking news thing. Maybe I'll even give you some breaking news music or not. In the meantime, I want to touch on central bank gold buying. It's funny because, you know, government types like to poo-poo gold. In fact, some of these central bankers will actually tell you that, oh, gold is a relic of the past. It's not even money. Nobody needs gold anymore. And yet, 
all of the world's central banks hold on to tons and tons of gold. And a lot of countries are adding to their gold reserves right now. The latest country to add gold to its holdings is Ireland. The Central Bank of Ireland added two tons of gold to its reserves over the last couple of months. This was the first gold purchase by the Irish bank since 2009. Now, the speculation is that Ireland is worried about inflation. And even though a lot of investors apparently don't think gold is an inflation hedge anymore, the Irish central bankers seem to think that. Ireland joined Singapore as a new entrant into the gold market. The Monetary Authority of Singapore bought 26.3 tons of gold in May and June, uh, according to its most recent International Reserves and Foreign Currency Liquidity Report. It was the first expansion of the country's gold reserves since the year 2000. Thailand and Brazil made a big gold purchase earlier this year. The Philippines and Mongolia bought smaller amounts. These new faces join a list of countries that have been consistently buying gold, including Kazakhstan, India, Turkey, despite some recent sales, and Uzbekistan. Poland also recently announced it would further expand its gold reserves by 100 tons in 2022. Bank of uh, Bank of Poland President Adam Glapinski, Glapinski, I think that's how you say it. He said holdings, uh, holding gold is a matter of financial security and stability. He said, quote, gold will retain its value even when someone cuts off the power to the global financial system, destroying traditional assets based on electronic counting records. So he's saying gold is this physical thing that you always have. He said, of course, we do not assume that this will happen. But as the saying goes, forewarned is always insured. And the central bank is required to be prepared for even the most unfavorable circumstances. I think that might be some wise uh, advice for regular investors as well. He said, that is why we see a special place for gold in our foreign exchange management process. And of course, there's another reason why a lot of countries are buying gold. There is deteriorating faith in the dollar. An FX Street report noted that heavy gold accumulation by central banks point to an ongoing shift away from the U.S. Federal Reserve note dollar as the global reserve currency of choice and points to the ongoing shift in global economic dynamics. Not so good news for the dollar, right? A World Gold Council survey also found that there is deteriorating faith in the U.S. dollar and a continuing trend toward de-dollarization. That report said, Respondents continue to foresee long-term structural changes in the international monetary system, continuing a trend indicated in last year's surveys. Views toward the U.S. dollar trended downward, with half of respondents saying the greenback will fall below its current proportion. So, Eh. Again, not so good news for the dollar. I mean, and can you blame them? I mean, the Fed just keeps churning dollars out, right? It's keep, it keeps devaluing the dollar. I'm not so confident in the greenback either. And I quite frankly don't think you probably should be. So how do you fight a deteriorating dollar? Precious metals is one way. And as usual, as always, I recommend talking to a shift gold precious metal specialist. You can just call 1-888-GOLD-160 or you can email info at shiftgold.com and uh, they'll help you out. Great guys over there. They'll look at your particular situation, your portfolio, your investment goals, and help you see how precious metals can fit into uh, that process. So it is now 
8.15. So we got 15 minutes until we get the CPI data. I'm going to put the show on pause, uh, get a cup of tea, work on the blog post for the show. And, uh, you know, you can, go, you can go get you a cup of coffee or do whatever. And I'll be back in just a minute with the CPI data for the month of November. Breaking news. The CPI data for November is in. Basically in line with expectations. Of course, expectations were very high. The month-on-month increase was 0.8%. That follows on the heels of 0.9% last month. So knocking on the door of 1%. Yet again, the expectation was for 0.7% in November. So we were just a tad above expectation on the month-on-month number. Looking at the annual number, 6.8% year-on-year. And that was right in line with expectations. So, whoo, that's really high. In fact, that's the highest inflation numbers we've seen since the 1980s. And, of course, you know, the uh, government cooked the inflation CPI formula back in the 90s. So, you know, inflation is really running higher. If If you were calculating this based on the 1970s calculation, we'd be well into double-digit inflation right now. Core CPI was 4.9% year-on-year, and that was in line with expectations. So, what does all of this mean? Well, it means that the transitory inflation clearly isn't transitory. We knew that. Even Jerome Powell has admitted that at this point. Um, I think you can expect to see a big sell-off in gold today because everybody's going to go, oh, the inflation's hot and the Fed's going to come in and fight. Well, we've talked about that. Uh, the, the likelihood of winning that fight is uh, slim to none, but we'll see what plays out. Um, so, you know, if you're asking me, I'm saying this is an opportunity to buy the dip because uh, gold is still an inflation hedge no matter what goofiness the markets are doing right now. So there you go. CPI data. Uh, obviously, we'll be writing much more about this as we get into next week. So make sure you're following what's going on over at shiftgold.com news. For now, we're going to call this a gold wrap this week. As always, you can get more details on all of these stories and more. And, of course, keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, I can't imagine why not. But you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. We're on Stitcher. You'll find links to all of those places as well as links to our social media sites on the show notes page. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and we will talk to you again next week.